Section twenty four of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part twenty four. Street Sellers of Green Stuff. Under this head, I class the street purveyors of watercresses and of the chickweed, groundsel, plantain, and turf required for cage birds these purveyors seem to be on the outskirts as it were of the costermonger class and indeed the regular costers look down upon them as an inferior caste the greenstuff trade is carried on by very poor persons and generally by children or old people some of the old people being lame or suffering from some infirmity which however does not prevent their walking about with their commodities to the children and infirm class however the turf cutters supply an exception the costermongers as i have intimated do not resort and do not let their children resort to this traffic if reduced to the last shift they will sell nuts or oranges in preference the old hands have been reduced as a general rule from other avocations their homes are in the localities i have specified as inhabited by the poor i was informed by a seller of birds that he thought fewer birds were kept by poor working people and even by working people who had regular though perhaps diminished earnings than was the case six or eight years ago at one time it was not uncommon for a young man to present his betrothed with a pair of singing birds in a neat cage now such a present as far as my informant's knowledge extended and he was a sharp intelligent man was but rarely made one reason this man had often heard advanced for poor persons not renewing their birds when lost or dead is pitiful in its plainness they eat too much i do not know that in such a gift as i have mentioned there was any intention on the part of the lover to typify the beauty of cheerfulness even in a very close confinement to home i can't tell sir was said to me how it may have been originally but i never heard such a thing said much about though there's been joking about the matter as when would the birds have young ones and such like no sir i think it was just a fashion contrary to the custom in more prosperous establishments i am satisfied that among the labouring classes birds are more frequently the pets of the men than of the women my bird-dealing informant cited merely his own experience but there is no doubt that cage birds are more extensively kept than ever in london consequently there is a greater demand for the green stuff the birds require of watercress selling in farringdon market the first costler cry heard of a morning in the london streets is that of fresh water creases those that sell them have to be on their rounds in time for the mechanic's breakfast or the day's gains are lost as the stock money for this calling need only consist of a few halfpence it is followed by the very poorest of the poor such as young children who have been deserted by their parents and whose strength is not equal to any great labour or by old men and women crippled by disease or accident who in their dread of a workhouse life linger on with the few pence they earn by street selling as winter draws near the farringdon cress market begins long before daylight on your way to the city to see this strange sight the streets are deserted in the squares the blinds are drawn down before the windows and the shutters closed so that the very houses seem asleep 
all is so silent that you can hear the rattle of the milkmaid's cans in the neighbouring streets or the noisy song of three or four drunken voices breaks suddenly upon you as if the singers had turned a corner and then dies away in the distance on the cab stands but one or two crazy cabs are left the horses dozing with their heads down to their knees and the drawn-up windows covered with the breath of the driver sleeping inside at the corners of the streets the bright fires of the coffee stalls sparkle in the darkness and as you walk along the policeman leaning against some gas-lamp turns his lantern full upon you as if in suspicion that one who walks abroad so early could mean no good to householders at one house there stands a man with dirty boots and loose hair as if he had just left some saloon giving sharp single knocks and then going into the road and looking up at the bedrooms to see if a light appeared in them as you near the city you meet if it be a monday or friday morning droves of sheep and bullocks tramping quietly along to smithfield and carrying a fog of steam with them while behind with his hands in his pockets and his dog panting at his heels walks the sheep drover at the principal entrance to farringdon market there is an open space running the entire length of the railings in front and extending from the iron gates at the entrance to the sheds down the centre of the large paved court before the shops in this open space the cresses are sold by the salesmen or saleswomen to whom they are consigned in the hampers they are brought in from the country the shops in the market are shut the gas-lights over the iron gates burn brightly and every now and then you hear the half-smothered crowing of a cock shut up in some shed or bird-fancier's shop presently a man comes hurrying along with a can of hot coffee in each hand and his stall on his head and when he has arranged his stand by the gates and placed his white mugs between the railings on the stone wall he blows at his charcoal fire making the bright sparks fly about at every puff he gives by degrees the customers are creeping up dressed in every style of rags they shuffle up and down before the gates stamping to warm their feet and rubbing their hands together till they grate like sandpaper some of the boys have brought large hand baskets and carry them with the handles round their necks covering the head entirely with the wickerwork as with a hood others have their shallows fastened to their backs with a strap and one little girl with the bottom of her gown tattered into a fringe like a blacksmith's apron stands shivering in a large pair of worn-out vestris boots holding in her blue hands a bent and rusty tea-tray a few poor creatures have made friends with the coffee-man and are allowed to warm their fingers at the fire under the cans and as the heat strikes into them they grow sleepy and yawn the market by the time we reach it has just begun one dealer has taken his seat and sits motionless with cold for it wants but a month to christmas with his hands thrust deep into the pockets of his grey driving-coat before him is an open hamper with a candle fixed in the centre of the bright green cresses and as it shines through the wicker sides of the basket it casts curious patterns on the ground as a night-shade does two or three customers with their shallows slung over their backs and their hands poked into the bosoms of their gowns are bending over the hamper the light from which tinges their swarthy features and they rattle their half-pence and speak coaxingly to the dealer to hurry him in their bargains just as the church clocks are striking five a stout saleswoman enters the gates and instantly a country-looking fellow in a wagoner's cap and smock-frock 
arranges the baskets he has brought up to london the other ladies are soon at their posts well wrapped up in warm cloaks over their thick shawls and sit with their hands under their aprons talking to the loungers whom they call by their names now the business commences the customers come in by twos and threes and walk about looking at the cresses and listening to the prices asked every hamper is surrounded by a black crowd bending over till their heads nearly meet their foreheads and cheeks lighted up by the candle in the centre the saleswomen's voices are heard above the noise of the mob sharply answering all objections that may be made to the quality of their goods they're rather spotty mum says an irishman as he examines one of the leaves no more spots than a new-born babe dennis answers the lady tartly and then turns to a newcomer at one basket a street seller in an old green cloak has spread out a rusty shawl to receive her bunches and by her stands her daughter in a thin cotton dress patched like a quilt ah mrs dulland cried the saleswoman in a gracious tone can you keep yourself warm it bites the fingers like boiling water it do at another basket an old man with long grey hair streaming over a kind of policeman's cape is bitterly complaining of the way he has been treated by another saleswoman he bought a lot of her the other morning and by daylight they were quite white for he only made threepence on his best day well joe returns the lady you should come to them as knows you and all as treats you well these saleswomen often call to each other from one end of the market to the other if any quarrel takes place at one of the hampers as frequently it does the next neighbour is sure to say something pinch him well sally cried one saleswoman to another pinch him well i do when i've a chance it's no use was the answer i might as well try to pinch a elephant one old wrinkled woman carrying a basket with an oilcloth bottom was asked by a buxom rosy dealer now nancy what's for you but the old dame was surly with the cold and sneering at the beauty of the saleswoman answered why don't you go and get a sweetheart such as you ain't fit for such as we this caused angry words and nancy was solemnly requested to draw it mild like a good soul as the morning twilight came on the paved court was crowded with purchasers the sheds and shops at the end of the market grew every moment more distinct and a railway van laden with carrots came rumbling into the yard the pigeons too began to fly on to the sheds or walk about the paving stones and the gas-man came round with his ladder to turn out the lamps then every one was pushing about the children crying as their naked feet were trodden upon and the women hurrying off with their baskets or shawls filled with cresses and the bunch of rushes in their hands in one corner of the market busily tying up their bunches were three or four girls seated on the stones with their legs curled up under them and the ground near them was green with the leaves they had thrown away a saleswoman seeing me looking at the group said to me ah you should come here of a summer's morning and then you'd see em sitting tying up young and old upwards of a hundred poor things as thick as crows in a ploughed field as it grew late and the crowd had thinned none but the very poorest of the cress sellers were left many of these had come without money others had their halfpence tied up carefully in their shawl ends as though they dreaded the loss a sickly-looking boy of about five whose head just reached above the hampers now crept forward treading with his blue naked feet over the cold stones as a cat does over wet ground 
at his elbows and knees his skin showed in gashes through the rents in his clothes and he looked so frozen that the buxom saleswoman called to him asking if his mother had gone home the boy knew her well for without answering her question he went up to her and as he stood shivering on one foot said give us a few old cresses jinny and in a few minutes was running off with a green bundle under his arm all of the saleswomen seemed to be of kindly natures for at another stall an old dame whose rags seemed to be beyond credit was paying for some cresses she had long since been trusted with and excusing herself for the time that had passed since the transaction as i felt curious on the point of the honesty of the poor i asked the saleswoman when she was alone whether they lost much by giving credit it couldn't be much she answered if they all of them decamped but they were generally honest and paid back often reminding her of credit given that she herself had forgotten whenever she lost anything it was by the very very poor ones though it ain't their fault poor things she added in a kindly tone for when they keeps away from here it's either the workhouse or the churchyard as stops them as you walk home although the apprentice is knocking at the master's door the little watercress girls are crying their goods in every street some of them are gathered round the pumps washing the leaves and piling up the bunches in their baskets that are tattered and worn as their own clothing in some of the shallows the holes at the bottom have been laced up or darned together with rope and string or twigs and split laths have been fastened across whilst others are lined with oilcloth or old pieces of sheet tin even by the time the cress market is over it is yet so early that the maids are beating the mats in the road and mechanics with their tool baskets swung over their shoulders are still hurrying to their work to visit farringdon market early on a monday morning is the only proper way to judge of the fortitude and courage and perseverance of the poor as douglas gerald has beautifully said there is goodness like wild honey hived in strange nooks and corners of the earth these poor cress sellers belong to a class so poor that their extreme want alone would almost be an excuse for theft and they can be trusted paying the few pence they owe even though they hunger for it it must require no little energy of conscience on the part of the lads to make them resist the temptations around them and refuse the luring advice of the young thieves they meet at the low lodging-house and yet they prefer the early rising the walk to market with naked feet along the cold stones the pinched meal and the day's hard labour to earn the few half-pence to the thief's comparatively easy life the heroism of the unknown poor is a thing to set even the dullest marvelling and in no place in all london is the virtue of the humblest both young and old so conspicuous as among the watercress buyers at farringdon market of the street sellers of watercress the dealers in watercresses are generally very old or very young people and it is a trade greatly in the hands of women the cause of this is that the children are sent out by their parents to get a loaf of bread somehow to use the words of an old man in the trade and the very old take to it because they are unable to do hard labour and they strive to keep away from the workhouse note i'd do anything before i go there sweep the crossings or anything but i should have had to have gone to the house before if it hadn't been for my wife i'm sixty-two said one who had been sixteen years at the trade End note. 
the old people are both men and women. The men have been sometimes one thing and sometimes another. I've been a porter myself, said one, jobbing about in the markets or wherever I could get a job to do. Then there's one old man goes about selling watercresses who's been a seafaring man. He's very old, he is. Older than what I am, sir. Many a one has been a good mechanic in his younger days, only he's got too old for labour. The old women have, many of them, been laundresses, only they can't now do the work, you see, and so they're glad to pick up a crust anyhow. Nellie, I know, has lost her husband, and she hasn't nothing else but a few creases to keep her. She's as good, honest, hard-working a creature as ever were for what she can do, poor old soul. The young people are most of them girls. There are some boys, but girls are generally put to it by the poor people. There's Mary MacDonald. She's about fourteen. Her father is a bricklayer's labourer. He's an Englishman, and he sends little Mary out to get a halfpenny or two. He gets sometimes a couple of days' work in the week. He don't get more now, I'm sure. And he's got three children to keep out of that. So all on em that can work are obligated to do something. The other two children are so small they can't do nothing yet. Then there's Louisa. She's about twelve, and she goes about with creases like I do. I don't think she's got ne'er a father. I know she's a mother alive, and she sells creases like a daughter. The mother's about fifty-odd, I dare say. The sellers generally go about with an arm-basket, like a greengrocer's, at their side, or a shallow in front of them, and plenty of them carry a small tin tray before them, slung around their neck. Ah, it would make your heart ache if you was to go to Farringdon Market early, this cold weather, and see the poor little things there, without shoes and stockings, and their feet quite blue with the cold. Oh, that they are, and many on em don't know how to set one foot before the t'other, poor things. You would say they wanted something give to em. The small tin tray is generally carried by the young children. The cresses are mostly bought in Farringdon Market. The usual time to go to the market is between five and six in the morning, and from that to seven, said one informant. Myself, I'm generally down in the market by five. I was there this morning at five, and bitter cold it was, I give you my word. We poor old people feel it dreadful. Years ago I didn't mind cold, but now I feel it cruel bad, to be sure. Sometimes when I'm turning up my things I don't hardly know whether I've got them in my hands or not. Can't even pick off a dead leaf. But that's nothing to the poor little things without shoes. Why, bless you, I've seen them stand and cry two and three together with the cold. Oh, my heart has ached for them over and over again. I've said to them, I wonder why your mother sends you out. That I have. And they said they was obligated to try and get a penny for breakfast. We buy the watercresses by the hand. One hand will make about five halfpenny bundles. There's more call for em in the spring of the year than what there is in the winter. Why, they're reckoned good for sweetening the blood in the spring. But for my own eating I'd sooner have the crease in the winter than I would have it in the spring of the year. There's an old woman sits in Farringdon Market of the name of Burroughs that's sot there twenty-four years, and she's been selling out creases to us all that time. The sellers goes to market with a few pence. I myself goes down there and lays out sometimes my fourpence. That's what I laid out this morning. Sometimes I lay out only tuppence and threepence, according as how I has the half-pence in my pocket. Many a one goes down to the market with only three half-pence, and glad to have that to get a halfpenny or anything so as to earn a mouthful of bread. 
a bellyful that they can't get nohow. Ah, many a time I walked through the streets and picked a piece of bread that the servants chucked out of the door, maybe to the birds. I've gone and picked it up when I've been right hungry. Thinks I, I can eat that as well as the birds. None of the sellers ever goes down to the market with less than a penny. They won't make less than a penneth, that's one hand, and if the little thing sells that, she won't earn more than three halfpence out of it. After they've brought the creases, they generally take them to the pump to wet them. I generally pump upon mine in Hatton Garden. It's done to make them look nice and fresh all the morning, so that the wind shouldn't make them flag. You see, they've been packed all night in the hamper and they get dry. Some ties them up in hapeths as they walk along. Many of them sit down on the steps of St. Andrew's Church and make them up into bunches. You'll see plenty of them there of a morning between five and six. Plenty, poor little dear souls, sitting there, said the old man to me. There the hand is parcelled out into five halfpenny bunches. In the summer the dealers often go to market and lay out as much as one shilling. On Saturday morning, this time of year, I buys as many as nine hands. There's more call for em on Saturday and Sunday morning than on any other days, and we always has to buy on Saturdays what we want for Sundays. There ain't no market on that day, sir. At the market, sufficient creases are bought by the sellers for the morning and afternoon as well. In the morning, some begin crying their creases through the streets at half-past six, and others about seven. They go to different parts, but there is scarcely a place but what some goes to. There are so many of us now. There's twenty to one to what they used to be. Why, they're so thick down at the market in the summer-time that you might bowl balls along their heads, and all are fighting for the creases. There's a regular scramble, I can assure you, to get at them, so as to make a halfpenny out of them. I should think in the spring mornings there's four hundred or five hundred on em down at Farringdon Market all at one time, between four and five in the morning, if not more than that, and as fast as they keep going out, others keep coming in. I think there is more than a thousand young and old about the streets in the trade. The working classes are the principal of the customers, the bricklayers and carpenters and smiths and plumbers, leaving work and going home to breakfast at eight o'clock, purchase the chief part of them. A great many are sold down the courts and mews and by-streets, and very few are got rid of in the squares and the neighbourhood of the more respectable houses. Many are sold in the principal thoroughfares, a large number in the city. There is a man who stands close to the post-office, at the top of Newgate Street, winter and summer, who sells a great quantity of bunches every morning. This man frequently takes between four shillings and five shillings of a winter's morning, and about ten shillings a day in the summer. Sixteen years ago,' said the old man who gave me the principal part of this information, I could come out and take my eighteen shillings of a Saturday morning, and five shillings on a Sunday morning as well, but now I think myself very lucky if I can take my one shilling and threepence, and it's only on two mornings in the week that I can get that. The hucksters of watercresses are generally an honest, industrious, striving class of persons. The young girls are said to be well behaved, and to be the daughters of poor, struggling people. The old men and women are persons striving to save themselves from the workhouse. The old and young people generally travel nine and ten miles in the course of the day. They start off to market at four and five, and are out on their morning rounds from seven till nine 
and on their afternoon rounds from half-past two to five in the evening they travel at the rate of two miles an hour if it wasn't for my wife i must go to the workhouse outright said the old watercress man ah uh, i don't know what i should do without her i can assure you she earns about one shilling and threepence a day she takes in a little washing and keeps a mangle when i'm at home i turn the mangle for her the mangle is my own when my wife's mother was alive she lent us the money to buy it and as we earned the money we paid her back so much a week it is that what has kept us together or else we shouldn't have been as we are the mangle we give fifty shillings for and it brings us in now one shilling and threepence a day for the washing my wife is younger than i am she is about thirty-five years old we have got two children one is thirteen and the other fifteen they've both got learning and are both in situations i always sent them to school though i can't neither read nor write myself i wished to make them some little scholards i paid a penny a week for em at the school lady m has always given me my christmas dinner for the last five years and god bless her for it that i do say indeed watercress girl the little watercress girl who gave me the following statement although only eight years of age had entirely lost all childish ways and was indeed in thoughts and manner a woman there was something cruelly pathetic in hearing this infant so young that her features had scarcely formed themselves talking of the bitterest struggles of life with the calm earnestness of one who had endured them all i did not know how to talk with her at first i treated her as a child speaking on childish subjects so that i might by being familiar with her remove all shyness and get her to narrate her life freely i asked her about her toys and her games with her companions but the look of amazement that answered me soon put an end to any attempt at fun on my part i then talked to her about the parks and whether she ever went to them the parks she replied in wonder where are they i explained to her telling her that they were large open places with green grass and tall trees where beautiful carriages drove about and people walked for pleasure and children played her eyes brightened up a little as i spoke and she asked half doubtingly would they let such as me go there just to look all her knowledge seemed to begin and end with watercresses and what they fetched she knew no more of london than that part she had seen on her rounds and believed that no quarter of the town was handsomer or pleasanter than it was at farringdon market or at clerkenwell where she lived her little face pale and thin with privation was wrinkled where the dimples ought to have been and she would sigh frequently when some hot dinner was offered to her she would not touch it because if she eat too much it made her sick she said and she wasn't used to meat only on a sunday the poor child although the weather was severe was dressed in a thin cotton gown with a threadbare shawl wrapped round her shoulders she wore no covering to her head and the long rusty hair stood out in all directions when she walked she shuffled along for fear that the large carpet slippers that served her for shoes should slip off her feet i go about the streets with water creases crying four bunches a penny water creases i am just eight years old that's all and i've a big sister and a brother and a sister younger than i am on and off i've been very near a twelvemonth in the streets 
before that i had to take care of a baby for my aunt no it wasn't heavy it was only two months old but i minded it for ever such a time till it could walk it was a very nice little baby not a very pretty one but if i touched it under the chin it would laugh before i had the baby i used to help mother who was in the fur trade and if there was any slits in the fur i'd sew them up my mother learned me to needlework and to knit when i was about five i used to go to school too but i wasn't there long i forgot all about it now it's such a time ago and mother took me away because the master whacked me though the missus usen't to never touch me i didn't like him at all what do you think he hit me three times ever so hard across the face with his cane and made me go dancing downstairs and when mother saw the marks on my cheek she went to blow him up but she couldn't see him he was afraid that's why i left school the creases is so bad now that i haven't been out with them for three days they're so cold people won't buy em for when i goes up to them they say they'll freeze our bellies besides in the market they won't sell a halfpenny handful now they're riz to a penny and tuppence in summer there's lots and most as cheap as dirt but i have to be down at farringdon market between four and five or else i can't get any creases because every one almost especially the irish is selling them and they're picked up so quick some of the saleswomen we never calls them ladies is very kind to us children and some of them altogether spiteful the good ones will give you a bunch for nothing when they're cheap but the others cruel ones if you try to bait them a farden less than they ask you will say go along with you you're no good i used to go down to market along with another girl as must be about fourteen cause she does her back hair up when we've bought a lot we sits down on a doorstep and ties up the bunches we never goes home to breakfast till we've sold out but if it's very late then i buys a penneth of puddin which is very nice with gravy i don't know hardly one of the people as goes to farringdon to talk to they never speaks to me so i don't speak to them we children never play down there cause we're thinking of our living no people never pities me in the street except in one gentleman and he says says he what do you do out so soon in the morning but he gave me nothing he only walked away it's very cold before winter comes on regular especially getting up of a morning i gets up in the dark by the light of the lamp in the court when the snow is on the ground there's no creases i bears the cold you must so i puts my hands under my shawl though it hurts em to take hold of the creases especially when we takes em to the pump to wash em no i never see any children crying it's no use sometimes i make a great deal of money one day i took one shilling and sixpence and the creases cost sixpence but it isn't often i get such luck as that i often a makes threepence or fourpence than a shilling and then i'm at work crying creases four bunches a penny creases from six in the morning to about ten what do you mean by mechanics i don't know what they are the shops buys most of me some of em says oh i ain't a-going to give a penny for these and they want em at the same price as i buys em at i always give mother my money she's so very good to me she don't often beat me but when she do she don't play with me she's very poor and goes out cleaning rooms sometimes now she don't work at the fur i ain't got no father he's a father-in-law no mother ain't married again he's a father-in-law he grinds scissors and he's very good to me now i don't mean by that that he says kind things to me for he never hardly speaks when i gets home after selling creases i stops at home i puts the room to rights 
Mother don't make me do it. I does it myself. I cleans the chairs, though there's only two to clean. I takes a tub and scrubbing brush and flannel, and scrubs the floor. That's what I do three or four times a week. I don't have no dinner. Mother gives me two slices of bread and butter and a cup of tea for breakfast, and then I go till tea, and has the same. We has meat of a Sunday, and of course I should like to have it every day. Mother has just the same to eat as we has, but she takes more tea, three cups sometimes. No, I never has no sweet stuff. I never buy none. I don't like it. Sometimes we has a game of honey-pots with the girls in the court, but not often. Me and Carrie H. Blank carries the little uns. We plays, too, at kissing the ring. I knows a good many games, but I don't play at em, cause going out with creases tires me. On a Friday night, too, I goes to a Jew's house till eleven o'clock on Saturday night. All I has to do is to snuff the candles and poke the fire. You see, they keep their Sabbath then, and they won't touch anything. So they gives me my whittles and a penny halfpenny, and I does it for em. I have a regular good lot to eat. Supper of Friday night, and tea after that, and fried fish of a Saturday morning, and meat for dinner, and tea and supper, and I like it very well. Oh, yes, I've got some toys at home. I've a fireplace, and a box of toys, and a knife and fork, and two little chairs. The Jews gave them to me, where I go to on a Friday, and that's why I said they was very kind to me. I never had no doll, but I miss his little sister. She's only two years old. We don't sleep in the same room, for father and mother sleeps with little sister in the one pair, and me and brother and other sister sleeps in the top room. I always goes to bed at seven, cause I has to be up so early. I'm a capital hand at bargaining, but only at buying water creases. They can't take me in. If the woman tries to give me a small handful of creases, I says, I ain't a-going to have that for a ha'porth, and I go to the next basket, and so on, all round. I know the quantities very well. For a penny I ought to have a full market hand, or as much as I could carry in my arms at one time without spilling. For threepence I has a lapful, enough to earn about a shilling, and for sixpence I gets as many as crams my basket. I can't read or write, but I knows how many pennies goes to a shilling. Why, twelve, of course, but I don't know how many ha'pence there is, though there's two to a penny. When I've bought threepence of creases, I ties them up into as many little bundles as I can. They must look biggish, or the people won't buy them. Some puffs them out as much as they'll go. All my money I earns I puts in a club, and draws it out to buy clothes with. It's better than spending it in sweet stuff, for them as has a living to earn. Besides, it's like a child to care for sugar sticks, and not like one who's got a living and victuals to earn. I ain't a child, and I shan't be a woman till I'm twenty, but I'm past eight, I am. I don't know nothing about what I earns during the year. I only know how many pennies goes to a shilling, and two halfpence goes to a penny, and four fardens goes to a penny. I knows, too, how many fardens go to tuppence. Eight! That's as much as I wants to know for the markets. The market returns I have obtained show the following result of the quantities vended in the streets, and of the receipts by the cress-sellers. A table showing the quantity of watercresses sold wholesale throughout the year in London, with the proportion retailed in the streets. Readers note, the table has three columns, headed Market, Quantity Sold Wholesale, and Proportion Retailed in the Streets. End Readers note. Covent Garden Market, 1,578,000 bunches sold wholesale, one-eighth retailed in the streets. Farringdon Market, 12,960,000 bunches sold wholesale, 
one half retailed in the streets borough market one hundred and eighty thousand bunches sold wholesale one half retailed in the streets spitalfields market one hundred and eighty thousand bunches sold wholesale one half retailed in the streets portman market sixty thousand bunches sold wholesale one third retailed in the streets total fourteen million nine hundred and fifty eight thousand bunches sold wholesale from this sale the street crest sellers receive farringdon six million four hundred and eighty thousand bunches a halfpenny per bunch receipts thirteen thousand five hundred pounds covent garden sixteen thousand four hundred and fifty bunches a halfpenny per bunch receipts thirty four pounds borough ninety thousand bunches a halfpenny per bunch receipts one hundred and eighty seven pounds spitalfields ninety thousand bunches a halfpenny per bunch receipts one hundred and eighty seven pounds portman twenty thousand bunches a halfpenny per bunch receipts forty one pounds total receipts thirteen thousand nine hundred and forty nine pounds the discrepancy in the quantity sold in the respective markets is to be accounted for by the fact that farringdon is the watercress market to which are conveyed the qualities large-leaved and big-stalked that suit the street folk of this description of cress they purchase one half of all that is sold in farringdon of the finer and smaller and brown-leaved cress sold there they purchase hardly any at covent garden only the finer sorts of cress are in demand and consequently the itinerants buy only an eighth in that market and they are not encouraged there they purchase half the quantity in the borough and the same in spitalfields and a third at portman i have before mentioned that five hundred might be taken as the number supported by the sale of creases that is five hundred families or at least one thousand individuals the total amount received is nearly fourteen thousand pounds and this apportioned among one thousand street sellers gives a weekly receipt of five shillings and fivepence with a profit of three shillings and threepence per individual the discrepancy is further accounted for because the other market salesmen buy cresses at farringdon but i have given under the head of farringdon all that is sold to those other markets to be disposed to the street sellers and the returns from the other markets are of the cresses carried direct there apart from any purchases at farringdon end of section twenty four